Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Trop Rock 101 with Pirates and Poets. I am your host, John Burns. Glad to have you with us. Uh, you may have heard this rumor that I am celebrating my 40th birthday. And uh, me being a, uh, you know, narcissistic SOB the way I am, I thought that I would interview myself for this special episode on my 40th birthday because everything is about me, always. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, you can't interview yourself. That's what? not going to work. What are you doing here? Oh, hi. Hey, it's Donnie Brewer. <laughs> why, why are you here? <laughs> For those of you who don't recognize my voice, I'm here because you can't interview yourself. It's illegal and it makes no sense. So I will be um, stealing the reins of this program for this episode of Drop Rock 101. And we're going to learn about John Boy, JB, John Burns, podcaster, um, organ, music event organizer, <laughs> slash roadie, slash stage manager, cat slash hunter. promoter, but best of all known for his cat herding of musicians, <laughs> Mr. John Burns. All right, folks. All right. So uh, you are now in the capable hands of four-time TRMA Entertainer of the Year. Donnie Burr. Well, I'm going to be entertained by your answers to these questions today on this program. Now, the first thing um, we have to do is because we have to connect all our musicians to Buffett, you know, uh, because you, we would be dishonest if we said that Trop Rock did not come from a uh, great influence, even though there's a lot of music that was happening before Buffett came along. Um, and and it simultaneously... He's greatly responsible for our big uh, genre we call Trop Rock these days. So tell me, John, how uh, did you get into Buffett? How did you discover Buffett? Because uh, I, know, I know some stories about you. But how did, how did uh, Buffett and the whole Trop Rock and everything come into your life? Stories. Where have you, where have you heard these stories? I have sources. Nope. I cannot <laughs> divulge them. Um, so I grew up in Little Rock, or Sherwood, Arkansas, right outside of Little Rock. Um, and we had a awesome classic rock radio station, um, that played everything from the Beatles. So this is like, you know, 96, 97, 98. Um, they played everything from the Beatles up until like Bon Jovi and Guns N' Roses. So about 1989. Um, and I mean, it made no sense. They would follow Black Sabbath with Jimmy Buffett. They played everything including about six or eight Buffett songs and not just Margaritaville or Fins or Cheeseburger. They played Pirate Looks at 40 and they played uh, Son of a Son of a Sailor and Boat Drinks. So that's where I got exposed to Buffett was through this classic rock station, The Point, 94.1. I think it's still there. Um, and then from there, I, I just kind of got into the music. Uh, I remember I bought my first Buffett CD, first two Buffett CDs. With money I got from gradu my high school graduation. So May of 1999, I went to Best Buy and bought uh, one of the live albums. And then I bought uh, Beach House on the Moon, which is, of course, the single worst Buffett album ever made. Oh, so, we're going to go there, are we? Yeah. Now, well, first I have to know, how did you get paid for graduating high school? I got to learn that. That's, I, never, <laughs> I, got, I got no money from it, that. It's an Arkansas thing. Um, it's an Arkansas. Okay, it's, go it's Razorbacks. Such a, it's such a shock that you graduated high school. People just throw money at you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and then, and now, in that area in Arkansas, where did where did you? Because I heard a rumor that um, 
you worked there at the university at at the at the hyper or something what is it okay yes uh, yes so tell me about this so you you've skipped a few years here but yeah uh it, while I was a student in college, uh, I really got into Buffett, got into all the music, and I knew that there were Parrothead clubs. Like, I knew those existed, and about every six months, I would check the, the PHFE website, I guess, and the, right. no, no Parrothead clubs in Arkansas. Shit, keep going. Um, so I, I was a student at the university for four or five years, and then I was an employee at the university for five years, and one of those years overlapped. Um, <laughs> uh so, yeah, I was an employee at the University of Arkansas working at the Hyper Building, which is the Health, Health Physical Education and Recreation Building. I ran the University of Arkansas swimming pool. Um, so you've always run things with water. Okay. I'm yes. Well, I, I was, I've always been – yeah, I've been a lifeguard since I was 13 or 14 years old. I got my first lifeguard certification through the Boy Scouts. Um, you and I are both Eagle Scouts. But, well, I did not make Eagle Scout. Oh, I was didn't? very close. I was okay. very close, but not not quite. Little known I fact found girls. Me. I found girls too early. Rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's good to know, though, if I get drunk in, in the pool, that uh, you're there to save me. That's when right. Riddles in the sand. It's, that's going to be important to me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I'm working at the university, running the university swimming pool. And then one day I check. Check the website, and boom, there's a Northwest Arkansas Parrothead Club. At this point, I'm living in, in, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, up in the northwest corner uh, where the university is. So I email the contact listed on the website, and they said, yeah, our, our, we have a meeting next Tuesday night at Jose's on Dixon Street. Dixon Street is the Bourbon Street of Arkansas, okay? It's uh, it's the Strip. It's 6th Street. It's Duval, Duval. Street. Yeah, yeah, whatever you want to call it. Um. And Jose's was like, I'd been going to Jose's to eat before Razorback ball games my whole life. So a cool little Mexican restaurant with a patio. And uh, so I show up. I am, how, how old was I? That was September 2004. So I was 23. I was 23. 23. I heard, the rumor that I heard was that um, you were asked to be president of this club because the guy who started it um was not able to stay there and was leaving and they needed a president and you're the only guy that cared enough to do it and you happen to be the youngest uh parrothead club president ever now is that true or is that a rumor um that's that's half true so the guy who started the club was actually younger than me and i was 23 at the time um wow yeah and he had started it like in the spring of 2004 graduated in may and had moved to Springfield, Missouri, which is about two, two and a half hours away from Fayetteville. Um, and he had like been coming back once a month to like run the club from afar. So my first meeting, it's me, this guy, his name was Marshall Price. And then a guy who was in his mid to late fifties named Kent Erickson. And Marshall said, this is the last time I'm doing this. One of you two is going to become president or I'm shutting it down. And I said, well, I've always wanted to be in a parenthood club. So I'll do it. I've always wanted to be president. You know that that sells a not lot president. too for not the, president. The, just uh, I wanted to be in a parody club. So yeah, yeah. Well, that uh, that says a lot for you know the reach of Jimmy's music is that the fact that you have twenty one and twenty three year olds in, in a genre you know that is predominantly fifty five and older uh, to have somebody interested in that that early on is very cool. Yeah, it was, and it was pretty. I, I think our Parrothead Club there in Fayetteville always skewed young because it was college town, you know. Yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, we put together a pretty good little core group in that club. Uh, Kent was my first vice president for a while. Uh, a couple of uh, couples, uh, Rick and Shelly Wilmoth, John and Anita Bryant, people that I'm still pretty good friends with today. Um, Cheryl, oh, what was Cheryl's last name? Not not Sherlock Holmes. Uh, it was a different Cheryl. Uh, anyway, Cheryl was the, like the second vice president. And then somewhere along the way, I met Jerry Diaz. That's what I was. That was gonna and be my next question. Stop, <laughs> stop driving my show, man. This is my show. My next question was going to be uh, somewhere in there. Jerry Diaz had to be getting involved to to get you away from Arkansas and to get you more involved in all this craziness that we do. Tell us about that. Okay, so um, Peggy Wright, who many of you know, she was just crowned the Grand Dom of Party Girl. Um, Miss P and a woman named Connie Gray were the regional communicators for the South region of PHIP. And uh, they met me pretty early in my time as president of the Paradigm Club. And they said, you got to come to Party Girl. And I said, what's Party Girl? And they said, it's this big event in New Orleans in January. You got to come. So I went. Um, the first Diaz I actually met was Casey. Um, oh, really? Like, yeah. Like just walking down Bourbon Street, Miss P was like, Come here, you got to meet somebody. Introduce. So Casey was actually the first Diaz I met. And you still um, wanted to meet the rest of them. And I still wanted to meet the rest of them. Yeah. At that point, <laughs> at that point, Casey was living in uh, New York City. Um, believe it or not. Yeah. So I went to Party Girl, met the Diazes. I mean, like anybody else, I didn't get to know them at Party Girl. Um, you don't get to know a Diaz at Party Girl. You just get to meet them, and then you get to know them later on. Yeah. Um, and at Party Girl, also I met Dan Earl. Uh, I had met Demeter Earl once before Party Girl. We get to Party Girl, and uh, they start, everybody starts telling us about you got to come to this, you got to come to that, you got to go to Riddles in the Sand, you got to go to Pirates Ball. And uh, Damon Earl and I said, "Okay, we're going to do all that," and we and did. So, so what, what was your re- relationship with with Damon Earl before you you met him? After you met the Pairheads, then is that what you're saying? Or yeah, you guys were. Yeah, so Buffett. Buffett played uh, Fayetteville, so the Walmart shareholders meeting is held on campus at the University of Arkansas, uh, Memorial Day week every year. And in 2005, Jimmy Buffett played the Walmart shareholders meeting in Fayetteville, Arkansas at Razorback Stadium. Um, so a, a lot of paired heads from Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma showed up in Fayetteville and we ended up kind of like sneaking into the concert. We weren't supposed to be there cause we don't work for Walmart and that kind of stuff. Um, but Earl was one of the 30 or 40 people that came into town for that. And, uh, that was the first time we met each other and we hit it off pretty good, but like we didn't become like best friends overnight. It wasn't until a party girl. So I went like six or eight months without seeing him, um, talked to him on the phone a couple of times, but at party girl, it's, it's like when he and I became like best friends and, and we said, okay, we're going to go to pirates ball in Austin. We're going to go to riddles in the sand in Galveston. We're going to go to meeting the minds in key West. And we did all of it and met a lot of people. Okay. So how, from, from meeting Jerry and meet, you know, meeting, going to some of these events now, how, how did you make the jump from Arkansas uh, to Texas? Uh, that's a, We'll try to give the condensed version here. Uh, as I as I went to the events and I got to know uh, the Diazes and John and Peggy Wright and a lot of these people in Texas, um, you know, it gets pretty damn cold in Fayetteville, Arkansas in the wintertime. Like some days it doesn't get above freezing. Not very often, but there's always like this one little stretch in the winter where it never gets above freezing. It sucks. In the wintertime, it sucks. 
Um, and I was like, man, I want to get, I want to move down closer to the water. I'd, I'd always kind of thought sooner or later I moved to Florida. I think that's what everybody thinks, you know, we'll move to Florida. Right. And, uh, and somewhere along the way, it was like, well, now I know all these people around Galveston, Galveston Bay. So I moved to Texas. Um, that was my thought. And then one day, Jerry, uh, Jerry sent me an email and it said, I still had the email. It said, uh, hey, I know you want to move down, you know, down to the coast somewhere. Um, I'm so busy with the band. I need somebody to help me, you know, run sound, sell merch, learn the, the business side of all this. Why don't you move down here, live with me and Mary? I'll teach you like the business side of music. And then like, you know, one day down the road, you can like maybe work for a lot of people and not just me. Well, that, I, that's I, very cool. He nailed that. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's not the, you're not the only one he's done that with. I got the same exact story from it. Maybe not, it wasn't a letter, but it was, Hey, come down here and uh, Donnie, can you play this gig for me that I double book myself? And, can you go front hands reef i was like do you want me to say i'm jerry diaz he says well no but just don't say you're not <laughs> so yeah so he he's definitely the mentor guy he's the guy that that uh makes a lot of things well he made you know not only party girl happen but he made meeting the minds happen and you know he he, he made john boy and he made donnie brewer so what's his yeah. next project <laughs> you know <laughs> uh swim that's his current project uh, swim that's it yeah um yeah that you know we went through this stretch and i think it had already it was already going on before i moved down and went to work for him but there was about an eight ten year stretch where jerry would commit to like a high paying private party a year in advance you know full band but all they want to hear is cover music that kind of stuff um and then three or four months before the gig, somebody would come along and go, Hey Jerry, we want you to come out to, you know, California and play this cool house concert. We want you to come to Florida and do a show with Sonny Jim. And so he would go find a Donnie Brewer or Dennis Davis or Troy Allen, whoever to front Hannah's reef at this private party where they yeah. didn't care who was fronting the band, but they just wanted to hear Margaritaville, you know? Right. Right. And, uh, Oh God, we did. One I probably did, learned that song. Yeah. I probably did six or eight shows like that where, uh, somebody else was front of the band and they were kind of fun, but they were also like terrifying at yeah. the same time. So <laughs> till I got used to it. Well, you become family with the Diaz's now. Have you, have you uh, actually considered um, getting Jerry to adopt you just so you can have the Diaz name? Cause I, I feel like he's already adopted you. It's just not really official. It's, it's, it's know. a common law adoption, a common law adoption. Okay. Co common law adoption. And you know, I, uh, especially like in trop rock, like when I'm around trop rock people, um, like I just say I'm a Diaz, like, yeah, like I told somebody, well, I was in Key West last week and I told somebody, I was like, yeah, my family started meeting the minds. Like I just, you know, like I'm yeah, not yeah, going to try to explain this. Family. Like it's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just need a dash. Yeah. Burns Diaz. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Exactly. Hyphenated. Okay. So. All right. So, um, so now you're in Texas and you're you're helping Jerry out and you're starting to know everybody in the business and everything. So how how does that lead to Pirates and Poets? Uh, you know the show, the just the live shows. The live that's what came first was 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 the live shows, right? Right. So uh, I moved down in May of 2009, um, 12 years ago now, and for a couple of years, like I did 95 percent of 
shows Jerry did. There was a couple flying gigs he did that I didn't go with, but I mean, like from the Thursday night, we're going to get paid so little to play a Mexican patio that we're going to owe the bar money at the end of the night to the, you know, big shows. Um, I did everything with Jerry for about two, two and a half years. Um, learned a ton. And uh, somewhere along the way, like I kind of, I, I started really liking events. You know, I was, I was helping out with Farty Graw and I was like, events are cool. And then it became like, we should have like, Mark and Jerry were like, you should just have your own event. We'll call it John Boy Fest. John Boy Fest. And, uh, John Boy Fest. And along the way, I had fallen in love with Port Orientis, Texas, like many people do. Um, I'm glad we, you didn't go with John Boy Fest. No, it. no, it would have been horrible. But, you know, Port Orientis, uh, who doesn't love Port Orientis? Uh, I love it. You love it. Yeah, that, the, the, I mean, all of my songs and my first couple of albums are about Port Orientis Beach. It's yeah. Some Corpus and some Galveston, but mostly Port Orientis. That's where I grew up. Yeah, so that's not we, your beach. Your beach is Galveston. My beach is Galveston, but but everybody loves Port A. And uh, yeah. we went down there. Mark and Jerry did a weekend, like three nights of duo shows in Port A, like Thursday, Friday, maybe it was just two nights. But on on Saturday night we had a band show in Corpus, and this is uh, we played these shows, and we went driving around uh, Corpus Christi Bay, listening to the Kenny Chesney Beach album on repeat. Okay, just like. It would 13 tracks all the way through, start all over again. And uh, you can ask Mark and Jerry about this because all three of us are like, this is one of like the five best days of our lives. We just drove around Port Aransas and Corpus Christi listening to Kenny Chesney. Just, just about, south of Corpus somewhere. Yeah. And uh, somewhere along the way, uh, we got to talk about John Boy Fest. And I was like, you know what? We're going to do John Boy Fest and we're going to do it in Port Aransas. Uh, and everybody was like, okay, that's cool. But then it kind of became like, well, we can't call it John Boy Fest. You know, um, two things. It was like, how am I going to pay for this? And right. two, what are we going to call it? Uh, so the first answer was, well, you know what? Um, you can hire two or three songwriters, acoustic guys, for way less than you can hire a full band. So <laughs> so let's do that. And then um, kind of the which key- is a- which is a great partnership with 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 your kind of take on the whole trap rock and the music and everything is you're all about the songwriting and and so it fits you perfectly to do it that way anyway but it's also budget friendly yeah it does and you know it's kind of I, I just have always been that way because i uh like i never liked margaritaville there was never a phase in my life where i thought margaritaville was a great song or cheeseburger in paradise right or um you know What's that stupid Springsteen song? Dan- I mean, like, you know, like none of the, right. like, it's just never been my None thing. of the popular ones. None of the popular ones. the yeah. album cuts. Yeah. And, uh, but, you but had- then again, see, that's, that's, I hate to pr- be praising Buffett again, but that, see, there's, that's, that's a deal. It's like he has the appeal to the people that want to run around and put in crazy costumes and drink margaritas. And then uh, the appeal to for some really fantastic songwriting that, you know, makes you think and, and uh, it's not necessarily sing along, and it's so it's just like again reaching all audiences. Yeah, although I did I did have a craze a phase of dressing up crazy and wearing capes and jester hats and stuff. Um, <laughs> Why do I not find that surprising? I, I was uh, in Fayetteville a few months ago, and my friends Rick and Shelley they pulled out this DVD of pictures from like 2007 and all the events we did in 2007, and um, it was rather embarrassing. Um, <laughs> I, I tried to buy it off of them, but they were like, "No, we're going to hold on to this for." Why didn't I just picture you like in a in a cubby's cap with a cape? I don't know. 
That's what well, like yeah. that was the other question I was going to ask you. It has nothing to do with the Trop Rock, of course. Is is why the Cubs? You're in Arkansas. Why the Cubs? Is that just closest one that you? Two two things. Uh, well, Arkansas, especially back then, was hardcore St. Louis Cardinals territory. Um, right. The main reason was like growing up, I played basketball because you know, like in the early '90s, Arkansas was the shit in basketball. We won the national championship and all that. So basically, I'd go outside and play basketball in the summertime from the time I woke up till the time it was too damn hot to be outside shooting a basketball. Right. And that was just about the time that the 120 Cubs game started every day on WGN. Uh, yeah. And so, um, I mean, I probably watched the Cubs three, four days a week growing up because, like, the Cubs and the Braves were on TV every day back then. Oh, and that's the thing that because of WGN, it's it's the they have a lot of fans across the planet that wouldn't have been fans otherwise. But it was on, you know, exactly. I mean, like if you were a kid, I mean, in the summertime, there was nothing on TV. A 10, 12 year old wanted to watch except for right. baseball, you know, so. Right. And I think I went with the Cubs over the Braves because everybody was Cardinal fan. And I've always kind of wanted to be different and difficult. Were you a good baseball player? I never Did played a play? lick of baseball in my life. No, get out of town. No, I would. No, I would have thought you were from t-balling up. Nope, I, I played basketball and I, and I ran track in high school. It's a single. I've done a lot of stupid shit in my life, Donnie. You, you've been there. You've been there <laughs> for that. a good bit of it. I have pictures. Yeah, but but <laughs> running track was the single dumbest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Like it makes no sense looking. I just ran in circles for the hell of it. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> uh, turn it and left. Turn and lift. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, I was just fast enough. They let me run like the 400, so it wasn't too long. It wasn't like right. god awful, like marathons and stuff. So, okay. Tell me, I'm going to back up just a little bit. Tell me about Shark Stock. Oh, you have talked to Earl. <laughs> See, you so, found out my source. So, Shark Damn Stock, it, Shark, Shark Stock was a uh, event up in deep East Texas, as Troy Allen put it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> deep East. He wrote a song about shark stock. We drove up to deep East Texas to play a concert with Hannah Sharif. <laughs> uh, our buddy, Jackie Bryant was the founder and president of the Northeast Texas period club in a little bitty place called Linden, Texas. I've, I've been there. Linden so small. They have nothing except like a gas station. You have to go to Atlanta population 3000 to get food. I mean, it was like, right. But, uh, Jackie lived, I don't know. He probably had 30, 40 acres, you know, horse pasture, and uh he put on this event and somebody in his club like we should go find that guy now because we could use him like pro audio pro stage guy and he rode out in this horse pasture a stage i mean that like the kind of stage they use at meeting the minds or music on the bay you know uh flown lights flown you know everything's hung up rigged right and Line of there were so few people at this event you could have put everybody at the event on the stage Wow. Yeah. So it was like, it was just crazy, but it was a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, Jerry played that event. I got a, I got hired for an event, and I won't say where it is because I don't want to make them feel bad, but I, I got hired for an event with about uh, six other bands, and I was the last band and, you know, solo, but the last act, I should say. Yeah. And it was raining. And there were nine people out there, and it was not, I uh, felt so bad for those people. I'm like, did y'all promote this at all? <laughs> Uh, and that was the bad thing was Jackie promoted the hell out of it it was just out in the middle of nowhere no I mean he had Larry Joe Taylor out there he had uh, Joel Sonier who was like 
bigger than Wayne Toops in Louisiana. I mean, and there was just nobody there. But it was kind of crazy. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Earl and I acted ridiculous um, there. We had a good time. All right. Tell me um, a Jerry Diaz story from from playing on the road with Hannah's Reef. Tell me a Hannah's Reef story <laughs> um, that folks don't know about. That that you only you're gonna have to listen to this podcast to learn about it because you never told anybody about it. Oh, we I could, know that's a tough one, right? We could go so many different ways, or at so, least one that because I know I know Jerry Diaz doesn't listen to this podcast, so you, you're safe. You can, you can say. <laughs> so first off, if you ever see me, Mark, or Earl, like just walk up to Jerry and then point at randomness, just point at something random and yell, "There they are." We're making fun are. of we're making fun of Jerry. Uh, one day we're going down the highway and uh, like Jerry drives like a bat out of hell. Like at the speed limit sixty five, he's going eighty five. You know, and uh, we're going down the interstate and one of us goes, "Jerry, look out! There's a cop over there!" And just kind of half ass pointed. You know, the cop's a quarter mile away, and uh, yeah. and Jerry just loses it. He's like, "Don't point at him! They're gonna see us!" And just I mean, he's just <laughs> you know, he's just they're gonna come get us now. They saw you pointing at us. And he's just. You know, <laughs> paranoid. Yeah, paranoid, pitching a fit. Yeah, so, you know, we get an hour down the road and there's another cop. So one of us, I mean, like full blown, like arm fully extended. There they are, Jerry. There they are. <laughs> so that's been a running joke now for 10, 12 years with me and Earl and Mark Morales making fun of Jerry. Uh, the other thing is, is the Jerky Boys CD. Remember the Jerky Boys? The Jerky Boys, yes. Yeah. Um, Jerry has one of their CDs, and you think the man was listening to it for the first time, the way he laughs, but he's listening to it for the thousandth time. I got to tell you that that drunk Jerry is maybe one of my favorite drunks that I've ever been around, and you rarely see drunk Jerry. It has to be everything's done, or he's in his perfect happy place or something, but drunk Jerry is the funniest cat you'll hang around. I I have a some exclusive video of that will never be released of <laughs> Jerry drunk one time in, in uh, I don't know where that was. We were at a Mark Reedville and Jerry was singing the entire Gilligan's Island song through, <laughs> through the, uh, a, a, a life preserver that was part of the decoration of the building. <laughs> it just doesn't get much better than that. Oh Lord. Every verse. Every verse. He, wow. It, it, with the sound effects. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I've seen that. I've heard that, but never like through a life preserver. <laughs> through a life preserver, yeah. It was excellent. I'll tell you, the only thing funnier than a drunk Jerry is a drunk Mark Morales. The, yeah. Now, I haven't seen that full on. I've seen oh. the tastes of that, but not full on. And the only thing funnier than a drunk Mark Morales is a drunk Jen Morales. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I have seen that. Yeah. All right. So speaking of drunk, tell me the the drunkest you've ever been at Party Gras and what happened. Oh, at Party Gras. Because I know there's some there's some Johnny White's evenings. No, this is actually probably the single worst night was probably pre-Johnny White's. Um, I think it was 2008. Probably it had to be 2008. Um, so everybody knows about the hand grenades at Tropical Isle. Um, you can, as a human being, you can get into double digits. You don't, you should not do it. It's a poor, poor life choice. Um, you should stop at like one, but, uh, 
I can remember I not, I I did uh, the same thing, but it, not with hand grenades, with the shark bites. And I had collected all the sharks, and they were on my hat. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was walking around. <laughs> you were there that night. You yes, I was. <laughs> yeah. 2008, I was drinking. Hand, it's Thursday night. It's always Thursday night, you know, at Party Girl. I'm drinking hand grenades, but I'm under control. Like, I'm getting drunk. Because Thursday really night, for you, those of you who don't know, it's like we have to actually create the event and and do all this work on the friday and saturday so thursday night is kind of the you know we've got we've all got our our shirts are in everything's organized and so that's when you let it all loose on thursday night Mm -hmm. and this was 2008 was probably the last year that i was not on the crew um but the the official event things are done and we're going to the after party um we were going from top of the trop down to little Odyssey. Dwight and late as usual. And at this point, I've had four or five hand grenades. I'm drunk, but I'm not ridiculous. Um, I walk in the front door of Little T.I. and uh, Suzanne Calhoun hands me a hand grenade. Uh-oh. I take two more steps and Gary Primo hands me another hand grenade. Uh, for balance. For balance. Um, I believe, by my count, I drank 12 hand grenades that night. Oh, you don't want to go over double digits. We just talked about this. Yes, yes. It's bad. Um Wes Loper played like the 11 to noon slot or maybe noon to one slot the next day. And I really wanted to go see Wes play. Um, so like I went down there, like I think Earl had to like help me down there. He, I literally laid down on the ground in front of Wes Loper, <laughs> listened to him play. And when he was done playing, I went back to the hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> laid down. <laughs> and this is back when like you, you weren't around back then, but like we were in this little bitty courtyard inside the hotel so I, like i was laying down on like paving stones <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i gotta say that you or the detentions are responsible for all of my drunken stupors at party gras each one of them every single one of them you always drag me to johnny white's that's why it ended up in the song yes for tequila and sprite but you're off the tequila and sprite these days i am not off the, i'm not off tequila and sprite you're I not have- off I had tequila and Sprite. You've expanded your horizons to whiskey. I've expanded my horizons to whiskey, partially because, you know, sometimes you can just get burned out on something a little bit. Um, And I had maybe gotten a little burned out on tequila. Um, Also, when I'm running around with the ladies from Drop Bed Dangerous and Daniel Diaz, it's just easier to drink whiskey. That's that's the other thing that I've noticed. Now, there's a certain group of people, going back to Pirates and Poets, now there's, there's a lot of people... Uh, that are steadfast members of the Trop Rock community based almost entirely because of Pirates and Poets has featured them several times and, and they've become your favorites. And we're talking about the girls and we're talking about Eric Erdman and Brendan Mayer and these, these folks. So I feel like that's one of the huge things that has happened to our genre is it's growing beyond its kind of purpose genre into a different kind of a songwriting community. And that's why we have Swim showing up, which is Trop Rock plus these other artists. Um, so, and I and I attribute a lot of that to your to your events and your, your radio and your podcasts and, and this kind of thing. What do you think about that? Well, I appreciate it. Um, I think all those people would have been just fine if well, no, they had uh, never met. I'm, I'm just poet. saying they're they they become a more solid members of our community because of it. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah they, I, oh, they they would be perfectly fine. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, well, I mean, Eric Erdman, like you, you drug him into the trop rock community. Uh, I still think that might be your single greatest contribution to the trop rock community was finding Eric Erdman and bringing him in. Well, yeah, and, <laughs> and Michelle is, is largely responsible there as well. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to Brendan, um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the fact that, that we've, uh, done a lot of work with Brendan and we've done it with Brendan, not, not Brendan and his dad, you know, right. um, I, I, I would like to think that, that we helped, um, you know, kind of push Brendan out there as his own person and his own artist uh, out from the shadow of his dad a little bit right. faster than it would have happened if we hadn't been around. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think the first time I saw him was at uh, Chicago Summer Chill, and it he it it was he was performing songs beautifully, beautifully like he does, but it didn't seem like he understood what to do with. Yeah, are kind of a crowd and and the way they react and at at a pool party and you know and it seems like he's he's come way past that now and he gets our people and he gets he gets the thing and he and I think he's digging it. Oh yeah, and you know I think people know what to expect out of him now as well. You know, there's there's some art there's a lot of artists like you that you can put anywhere and it's going to be fine. Then there's yeah. artists that, you know, there's some artists like a Rob Mail. They're you Sunday cannot, morning artists. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then there's guys like, you know, Jeff Brewer that, you know, you right. put him you put him next to the pool with a hundred drunk people. Right. That's exactly where he belongs, yeah. you know. That's, so. Yeah, yeah. And that's again, that's 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 kind of the beauty of our little trop rock genre that's beyond trop rock is that you know, it's so much about the community and not just about the music. It's about the different things that we do at our events and and uh, the different styles of music we like and the and the uh you know the 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 different genres that we can pull in to to and still work on one stage is pretty cool yeah and that, that's been part of your formula from the beginning tell us about your pirates and poets formula of selection of three songwriters yeah so the formula um actually we need to go back and Talk about where the we never did answer the question. Where did the name Pirates and Poets come from? I know so, we didn't. It goes back to back to the Kenny Chesney thing. Um, Chesney put out an album. I don't know about two thousand five, six, seven called Poets and Pirates. Um, and I, I thought that was kind of cool. So when it came time to name my event, I was like, "Well, that's kind of cool, but I think it sounds better Pirates and Poets." Yeah. And so that's where the name came from. Uh, the logo the skull and cross guitars was totally my, I didn't draw it of course, but that the concept was totally my idea. And it's probably the great, like the single great creative thing I've ever come up with in my life was that logo. <laughs> well, it's iconic. You know, it's, it's, it's very, it looks great on a hat, it looks great on a shirt. It's, it's, it's a cool thing. The only thing is you don't have, I don't know why you don't have flags. Where are your pirates and poets flags? Come on. Those, those might be in production as we speak. Oh, yeah. Uh, a, little, a little birdie named Eric Babbin has been pestering me to get flags for a while well, now. So, and it's a, you know, it's really the pirates and poets, the name, the image, all that. It's, 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 it's really says exactly what this is. You know, we, we're members of this kind of pirate tropical kind of world, but we're also, you know, poets, and it's about the songwriting, and you see acoustic guitars crossed. You don't see electric guitars, and right. so you know it's about the acoustic music. There, the one of the John Boy rules is um, that you it's your vocal and your guitar, no bells, no whistles, just the music coming from your fingers and your voice. Period, and that's, that's right. that. You've stayed so true to that is is 
part of the success or a lot of the success of it because I hear people, you don't hear this, but I hear people all the time going, well, do we want to do this? Uh, they don't say songwriter style. They say, you want, do we want to do this John Boy style? <laughs> you know, or Pirates and Poets style. Yeah. And and they everybody knows exactly what you're talking about when they say that. They mean they don't just mean three guitars and three stools. They mean you know, not a lot of effects, uh, reverb, no right. no loopers, no anything. And so that's that's a testament to your strictness on that, which is a great success, I think. Well, thank you. And you know, some of that was like going back the first one, the idea was you know, I've always liked all these different genres of music. I've always loved Buffett and the trop rock thing. Uh, I've always loved like that Texas red dirt Americana sound. And I've always yeah. loved, I w- always loved classic rock. So the idea was, I was like, I want to take, you know, a trop rock guy, a Texas red dirt guy and a, and a classic rock guy and put them on stage together um, and just see what happens. And those shows, the best shows we've ever had are when the guys are the, or girls are the most, different stylistically different. and writing yeah. wise you know because uh especially when they're encouraged to kind of like if you have somebody who can play lead guitar if you have somebody that can find harmonies to have them singing and playing on each other's stuff you know even though it's maybe way out of their genre i think is a, is a very cool thing and just the fact that when you have one artist do a song it makes the next artist think of another song that they probably weren't going to do, but then they do it, and then it becomes a conversation. And that's that's the magic of Pirates and Poets. Yeah, uh, on the Lake of the Ozarks show this summer, coming up in August, uh, we've got Kitty and Brent on the same show. And, like, I'm just psyched yeah. about that. Like, I am. I'm, I'm like, can we get any more different? Like, can Two we smart get asses from different generations. Yeah. One of them playing Southern Rock, the other one playing, you know, yeah. comedy trop rock like, i'm just right. like this is going to be so much yeah. fun so yeah well and 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 like you said before it's it, it works so much when you have kind of like a staple from our uh community that knows everybody and knows uh how to drive the event drive the show and then you have a country person and then you have a trop rock person or you have a new guy and you have a person has been around a while it's it's always very cool to see those mix-ups and mashups yeah and one of the other things i've learned is uh if you have one person that like like, if you have two people that know each other pretty well and one person that doesn't know anybody you always put the person who doesn't know anyone else in the middle in the middle yeah because if you put that person on the end the other two they don't mean to but they'll end up just ignoring the person they don't know but if that guy's in the middle he can't be ignored so right and always put if you can put the guy who's playing lead guitar on stage left so he can see the hands, hands of the other <laughs> guitar <laughs> players and see what chords they're playing. All right. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about, you had a, like a radio station for a while. Do you mm-hmm. still have that? Is it still something that's going on? So you got the podcast now. What else is going on? What's the future and the past of broadcasting of pirates and poets. Uh, so the, the radio station is gone, um, for a couple of different reasons. A, um, like quiet, like Eric Babin's killing it. Why should I try to like play second fiddle to Eric Babin on running a radio station? <laughs> well, I think the same reason I, if I was to argue for it, I would say the same, same reason that 
you know you have the strict rules on on how a pirates and poets show is performed because it's created its own thing it's almost its own genre it's 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 like swim you know it's its own yeah it's drop rock but it's this other too so i think there's definitely a place for it for sure you just so, don't you just don't want to have to keep up with it no, yeah tell it's, the truth. it's a lot you of got work kiddos tell yeah, us about the kiddos the, man. the kids the kids take a lot of time let me tell you um We'll come back to the kids in a minute. Talk about radio right. for a minute. Um, okay. Because I've been doing this for a while now, but I haven't publicly talked about it at all. Um, so uh, the radio station's dead. Trop Rock 101, of course, I've gotten an incredible amount of feedback about Trop Rock 101. Uh, people really like it. Um, the plan is is to keep doing it until we get to 101 episodes. Um, Perfect. You know? And there's a lot of people who are you know f- fairly new, like I'm just going to, pick on erica sunshine lee who's only been around for two or three years like right now she would not make an episode of trap rock 101 she doesn't have enough history in the genre in the community in three or four years she might you know so the my goal is to kind of keep cranking out about 25 a year and get to 101 and that's the uh kind of the assumption from the name trap rock 101 is you're learning about trap rock and to learn about it you got to study the masters basically right exactly where where you're coming from on it yeah Yeah. uh and back to radio so something i've done uh i've been doing for the last six months um sporadically and i'm i'm wanting to do more of it because i'm really enjoying it and i think it can make a big difference for a lot of our artists is uh so uh dennis mccoggy put out a new album back in october mccoggy mccoggy that's right mccoggy 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 and uh they kind of asked Dennis and Sue kind of asked me if I could help promote it. So I like, I pushed it to all the radio stations. Um, I mean, I didn't just like put out an email. Here it is. Uh, I followed up with them. Are you playing it? What are your favorite songs? You know, that, that right. kind of stuff. Um, and I think, uh, I think having, uh, someone that has a little bit of a name and, you know, I, th- I'd like to think that I have a reputation for not promoting crappy music. Right. I think, I think when, uh, you know, they get that email, in, in the Trop Rock world, they get an email from me saying, hey, uh, this artist I believe in has put out a new record. Will you play it on your radio station? It helps more than if just the artist yeah. himself puts it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. I really enjoyed that. And lately, the last month and a half or so, I've been uh, doing the same thing with the Rebel Railroad, J.D. Edge's Rebel Railroad project. Right. And I'm not pushing. I mean, I, I put it out to Trop Rock stations, but we're not pushing that. We have been pushing that to Americana uh, Radio. And it's starting Red to get dirt. some spins. Like it's way, way down on the Americana charts. We haven't even talked about it. Well, there's like a, it's there's actually a, on the Americana charts. So I need to get you the number of the guy at Coke FM. Uh, he'll play it up there in Austin. Yeah. So uh, we're recording this on May 12th. So by the time y'all hear this in early June, Rebel Railroad, if we get lucky and things work out, maybe they'll actually be like. Oh, it's the, early June. Happy birthday! Oh, thank you. <laughs> but I'm, I, I really enjoyed that radio promo thing, and I think I'm going to start doing it. Like I've done it for free so far, but I think it's going to be something I start offering as a service because I'm enjoying it, and I think it can really help our artists, uh, right. especially especially as we identify stations and specialty shows outside of the community that will play. And especially stuff, because it, it's not a thing that an artist is going to ask you for. They're not going to go, hey, can you um, write an email to such and such and say, um, you really like this album? And, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's such a goofball thing to to do. Um, so if you go out and do that for the artist, then that's, you know, that's that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's get to um, 
two things, and you can combine them in any way that you like. One is uh, John Burns is turning 40, the big 4-0, and uh, the children. We have uh, these children that are a big part of your life, and they're at that point right now where they're complete handfuls. And uh, so tell, tell us about them. How old are the kids right now? So the kids right now are nine. Addison's nine, almost 10. She'll be 10 in August. Parker's six and a half. Um, and yeah, they're a handful, especially Parker, six-year-old boy. He has more energy than the entire city of Houston. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think at this point, you know, most people know that about a year ago I got divorced uh, from the kid's mom. And uh, it's been interesting. Instead of having the kids around all the time, but maybe not necessarily, you know, like, the main focus at any given time. Um, it's been really interesting because I have the kids they're with me half the time. Um, so really like when I have the kids, you know, and you've, you've gotten this from me at times. And so have a lot of other people, you know, I'm, I'm like, Hey, like, can you wait till Wednesday to do that? Can you wait till Thursday? Cause I had the kids right. on Monday and Tuesday and a, exactly. A, I, I can't have the brain power to, to put on a lot of stuff and be like, I just want to be focused on the kids on the days I had the kids, you know, it's almost, it's, it's a, it's a blessing, but it's also tough. Um, but it, it's a blessing because when you do have them, you like you can just be full on with the kids. But then you also get that breakaway to to really do, concentrate on the things that you need to do work wise and 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 uh, parts of poets wise. So yeah, it's it's, uh, it's been it's been interesting because my life has kind of become uh, in a normal week. Let's let's ignore like party girl week, but uh, in a normal week, it's like two to four days of like totally focused on the kids with two to four days of super focused on music work and maybe one day of sleeping hardcore right. or getting drunk hardcore. <laughs> Wait, yeah. you get to sleep? I don't I don't get that. So and now tell me about the kids. Like what are they into? What are their, what are they, are, are they, have they shown interest in music the way you have the interest in music? Uh, You know what? Both of them have gone through phases where they're, like really into it Par- parker is is really into the like hooking up chords and you know w- when we break out the ipad mixers he's just right like he stares at that thing um Addie, when she was younger was really into it i think she's at the point right now where she's almost a teenager and having to go to a gig as an inconvenience on her right uh well, parker's, i can tell parker's really i can into tell it, you though. that um it's going to get more and more intense those phases and they're going to be <laughs> get more and more expensive each one of them like yeah. I'm, I do softball now. All right, let's buy all the equipment. Oh, you want to be a catcher? Great, fine. Let's buy all the equipment. And then, oh, <laughs> you're not into that anymore. Well, let's see if I can sell this used equipment. No, that's not. Yeah. I think Parker's going to do baseball this fall, um, and I'm excited about that. And I, I'm hoping to be an assistant coach. Obviously, I can't be the head coach because sometimes I have to leave on the weekends. But uh, right, right. So excited about that. But the kids, have, you know, they've grown up. Addie was at a gig at four or five days old, you know, and they've grown yeah, up. Yeah. They've They're grown up around stages, and and know. they don't understand it's not normal. <laughs> no, they don't. I mean, they don't understand. You know, every once in a while, Addie will be like, "Parker, we have a gig. We have a. Sh-. I mean, like, it's not Dad has a gig. We have a gig. Like, you know, because we got to go. So it's our gig too." <laughs> All right. So I have one more uh, question for you, and then I'll, I'll see if there's anything that you want to add and before we get to rapid-fire questions. So okay. uh, this, I want to hear, uh, because I've heard this story and I love this story, but I want to hear the Jerry Diaz 10-cup story. 
the oh, tin cup chalice. The tin cup chalice. So, yes. uh, well, I mean, we have it in the song, so I want to hear the story again right. for, so, for the people. For the most, people. most people have probably heard about the fact that Jerry Diaz and the Diaz family um, started Meeting the Minds. Meeting the Minds started in New Orleans, and uh, New Orleans is where the Diaz family used to go on their Christmas like, vacation. Um, so Meeting the Minds started in New Orleans. Uh, Jerry ran it the first year, and then for the first four or five years, it, like a different club ran it every year, but it was always in New Orleans. And then PHIP was formed, and PHIP took it over. Moved it to Key West. In 2011, 10 years ago this fall, uh, PHIP decided to honor Jerry and Scott Nickerson, who was the founder of PHIP, um, with a 10-cup chalice. So at their first Meeting of the Minds, Jerry and Scott awarded Buffett a 10 cup chalice. Um, I mean, they didn't actually give it to Buffett. He wasn't there, but they gave it to sunshine uh, Smith, who was Buffett's like business manager. Um, So in 2011, PHIP decided they were going to award Jerry and Scott their own 10 cup chalice. Like we knew about it, you know, Mary and the girls and I knew about it. All Um, the Diaz's, all the Diaz's knew about it. Jerry didn't have a clue. Um, I can't remember how we even got him to the Casa. Like we made some kind of, I don't know how we got him there. So, you know, they, they pull him up on stage, give him this 10 cup chalice and it's a big deal. We go out by the sunset pier and take pictures and all this. Um, and Jerry's like, we're going to drink champagne out of this, out of this. Cause it's like a, it looks like a trophy. Like you'd get it like a NASCAR. Right. Race, you know, that's it's what like, you yeah. do. Yeah. You got to drink <laughs> champagne out of it. But, uh, but he and I, this is Saturday night, you know, he and I had not been to the chart room yet either. So he's like, okay, we're going to go to the chart room, have one drink, get by champagne, and we're coming back to the Casa. Because back then, Miss P, uh, Peggy was vice president of PHIP, so she had like a suite at the Casa. So me and Jerry and Chris Mooney like get in the bus, in the shuttle to Duval Street, and we're getting out. And like all these people, all the parrotheads are on the bus, and they're like, well, this is, Jerry, what are you doing? You know, And finally, they're like, where are you going? Can we go with you as we're getting out of the van? And I'm like, he can't tell you that. I mean, like, like I was just like, you can't, you can't know that. Like, you're not coming with us. And I shoved Jerry out, you know, see, you were, you're always herding cats. You're always, always making, yeah. you're always stage managing. So we went to the chart room, had a drink, and then we went to uh, the CVS there on Duval street, right next to Margaritaville and bought, and got bought a bunch cheap of champagne, champagne. cheap champagne <laughs> and carried it back to the Casa and, you know, the Diaz's and Chris and Barb and Miss P and John and whoever else is there we all drink champagne out of the tin cup chalice and yes it leaks at the bottom so <laughs> where the where the well, cup screws into the wood base it leaks so the only the only artistic license we took in the song though is that the champagne drinking was actually at the chart room which is way cooler but <laughs> it is way cooler yeah <laughs> that's why we had to tweak that just a little bit but that, we ran, that was a great we ran into the chart room it was a it was a great night and uh, jerry was you know, Jerry's a pretty humble guy. He really is. Um, he doesn't yeah. brag on himself a lot. It's the only time like I've ever, I've ever seen him like walking around going, "Hey, look what I fucking got! Look what I did!" Like, it's like <laughs> so. that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So, last chance to tell any any stories uh, uh, about uh, pirates and poets, or John Boy, or the family, or your career, or the uh, I don't guess we touched very much on your. You you are in charge of of Galveston Bay, um, the Galveston Ocean. 
water there and all that. Yeah, but, we, don't, um, we, we don't want to talk about that too much. We don't want the, okay. the random citizens hearing this and coming with pitchforks. There you go. So. All right, so so Trop Rock 101, give us, give us your last comments on. Oh, man, you know, there's a lot. I've, I, I jokingly say that I've been doing this my entire adult life, and it's true. Um, you know, uh, I was 23. Wait. I didn't realize you were an adult yet. Well, yeah, I, I should be an adult. I'm not actually an adult, you know. But so, um, what's the musician saying? Is like, uh, I want to be a musician when I grow up. You can't do both. You can't you do go. both. Yeah, it and, applies I mean, to cat herders too. Yeah, I mean, like, if a musician can't grow up, then the guy who like helps the musician sure as hell can't grow up, right? I mean, it's like, <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, I've been doing this my entire adult life. Um, you know. Uh, it's it's hard to explain to people like how much the community means to me. Um, you know, I have a great mom and dad uh, and a brother and everything, but it's not a stretch to say that you know I, I literally have two families. The Diaz family is a whole other family to me, just like my mom and dad and brother are. Um, and well, you really have two families. You have the Diaz family, and then your then your whole Troprock family is like a separate. Yeah, so, yeah. So I've, I've got like a, I've got three families. I have my, right. my my real family. I have the Diaz family, and then I have yeah, you know, Damon Earl and Dennis and Miss P and y'all and the girls right. and all that. You know, so yeah, there's there's two uh, three families, I guess. So it's a, I, I joke sometimes. I go, you know, we're we're all together because nobody else would have us, and I think for the most <laughs> part that's honestly the truth. You know, it's like <laughs> it's you know it's it's kind of like the old. Uh, Anybody would be a member of this club. I don't want to be friends with them because they would be a member of this club. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? It's, it's like, you, you know, you can't buy your, I mean, you know, anybody that wants to can come hang out, uh, you know, at, at a Parrothead event or a Trop Rock event. But to, to get on the on the inside of this little family that, you know, is probably, I don't know, 15 to 20 people, you know. Right, um, right. You don't, like, you earn your way into this. Right. You, you don't. You don't just walk up and get into it because you're cool or because you have a lot of money or whatever you exactly. earn your way into it you know well and i don't think you ever have to decide who's in or out of it it's like if you have to ask you're not in exactly yeah <laughs> <That's> exactly. Kinda... <laughs> if you have to ask you're you're not in and you know i, I want to say uh it was it was weird it wasn't weird but like when i moved to texas and went to work for jerry uh you know i got to know brent burns i got to know sonny jim james um got to know a lot of the guys like in the boat drunks um Kelly McGuire, but, and, and so did Earl, you know, we were doing all this stuff with them, but uh, I think for a long time there, those guys, you know, they liked me, they appreciated the work I did and everything, but I was kind of like Jerry's helper, Jerry's kid, whatever, you know, right. right same right. way with Earl. I mean, a lot of that was a, is an age thing. Yeah. And, and even, even the same, even Danielle, I think, you know, they looked at her and she literally was Jerry's kid or is Jerry's kid, you know? Um, but then I think in like, you know, my, my life, uh, especially if we're talking the music side of it, the 10 to 15 months where you and Michelle, Dan and Chris, uh, Eric and Gina and Kitty and Mel came in. Uh, I think yeah. for, for me, for Pirates and Poets, for Earl and Danielle, that was a turning point for us because y'all didn't, I mean, like you, you learned quickly who Jerry was and all this but uh, y'all kind of treated us like our own freestanding individuals and not not just part of the greater right, Jerry Diaz machine. Right, because we didn't have the history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that was big big for all of us. Um, and everybody that's come along since then has certainly, you know, treated us that way. And 
and and you know uh, over time like you know of course you know james and brent and everybody uh you know the relationship i have with them versus what i had with them 18 years ago is totally different now you know right right but i think i think when y'all y'all showed up and i think you were the first one you were april 2014 dan and chris were december 14 and then kitty and mel were a part of y'all january 15 so how do you remember this Dude, I can remember what, what I can remember, last week. I can remember dates. It's, it's uh, crazy. I can't tell you how many fights I've won with Earl and Danielle. How about this date? What date do you turn 40? And has it happened already by the time uh, this is broadcast? June 3rd, uh, 1981. I was born. So this podcast is going to come out on June 3rd, 2021. So by the time people hear this, yes, I will be 40. <laughs> wow. And we're going to be probably drunk or hang, hungover or both. Possibly both. Yes. So. All right, are you ready for rapid fire? Let's do it. All right, let's do this thing. I have a list here, and I try to try to get the same kind of questions that you give the artists uh, on the rapid fire part of the section. Now, um, I I'm curious to see because I know that you've asked these same questions over and over again, and yeah. you've probably in the back of your mind at least prepared your answer. Uh, having talked to the artist, but I bet there's some of these that are just going to throw you because you never actually really thought about what your answer would be to them. Yeah, when, so, I was, when I was telling you the list earlier, a couple of them, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you had too long to think about it now. It's no longer rapid fire. All right, yes. let's go. All right, so we're going to go with favorite Buffett song. All right, this is a multi-part answer. Um, this is one that I have thought You're gonna about. You're going to break your own rules, aren't you? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll let people, you know, spout okay. off as many as they want. My current Buffett song, favorite Buffett song is probably Coast to Carolina. Um, right. My original favorite Buffett song was uh, The Weather is Here, I Wish You Were Beautiful. Um, both both good songs. Man, both pretty popular songs. I, I would have thought maybe you would have uh, picked something more album-cutty. Yeah, I think, but I don't know. Uh, in between there, I've, I've also cycled through Cowboy in the Jungle. Yeah. Uh, which is also Jerry's favorite Buffett song. When I met Jerry, that was like probably my favorite Buffett song. And then um, Take Another Road also. So I okay. kind of cycle through those. All right. So um, uh, the next one is going to be favorite beach, but you get an addendum to this because you cannot include your own beach. So we're going to say favorite beach, not in Texas. That This one's really hard. Um, my first impulse is to say Pensacola, but then I go, you know what? I haven't spent eight hours on the beach in Pensacola. Um, right. Um, it's a beautiful it's beach. It's just the song that you like, isn't it? It's the song I love, and we, we, shot, uh, we shot the Home on the Gulf Coast album cover. Not oh, technically, yeah, yeah. not in Pensacola proper, but like between Navarre and Pensacola in that national seashore there. Um, I'm probably going to say Sandy Spit in the BBS. All right. Have you, ever been, have you been there yet? All right, so... I I have and and uh, Caribbean Caravan is going to be going there, so I'm yay. Uh, so now I'm going to go give you a reprieve. Favorite beach spot, and I'm you have to get within a tenth of a mile in in uh, in Texas. Favorite beach spot, in Texas. Oh man, we used to go by the mile marker number. We like mile marker twenty seven in Port Aransas. I'm going to say. Uh, 30th Street and Seaball on Galveston Seaball. There you go. I know what's there. Well, you it's a it's a it's a nice wide stretch of beach. You can see the uh see the the pier. Yeah. 
and uh, the poop deck's there. So <laughs> that I, that's what I just said. I know what's there. <laughs> All right, uh, the, the, it's the one bar that did not make it into the song. But the dive bar is the song we're talking about. But Dennis McCoggy picked up our slack. <laughs> he, but he did. He did. McCoggy, McCoggy, McCoggy. All right. Uh, favorite book or movie? Now, is just is this throughout? This question applies to throughout time or recently or? Uh, I think I usually phrase it as like something you've read recently that you think other people should check out. And um, there you go. Oh man, I'm not a big movie. Uh, this person. this year it might be net. It might be Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm not a big movie person. So. On the Trap Rock well, side of things, I think all of the Buffett books are vastly underrated. Um, yeah. Really underrated. And uh, I'm sitting over here. I'm looking at my some of my books. Uh, I live in an RV. I wonder who I, who I got that idea from. <laughs> um, so a, a lot of my books are in storage, but I have about 20 that I keep with me. Um, yeah. Uh, Springsteen's autobiography. Uh, the Guy Clark biography. It's all music. Uh yeah, Johnny Cash biography, Towns Van Zant biography. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, I've, I've I've not read those so much as as watched a lot of documentaries yeah. uh, on the Netflix and so forth. And there's a bunch of bunch of crappy ones out there, but there's a lot of good ones too. Also, uh, there's a book over there. It's a about the Lafitte brothers, Gene and Pierre Lafitte. That's that's a really interesting book for anybody who loves the Gulf Coast, New Orleans, Galveston should read that book. So. Very cool. Um, all right, let's go. Um, and I think I already know the answer to this, but um, Bob Marley or Kenny Chesney? Uh, I'm almost ashamed to say this. Um, we'll see. Tell the truth. Don't be ashamed. I'm going to go with Kenny Chesney. With all due respect to Bob Marley, who was a fucking legend. Um, yeah. Kenny Chesney just uh, is you know, in my direct life, it's just been way more uh, prominent. Well, if you want, so. if you want to be honest, uh, it, a lot of the artists that are a lot of our independent artists, they they they're always going to list Buffett and Chesney, and then if they have a third one, then they're going to list Bob Marley. So I mean that it, it and that's accurate because a lot of our crowd comes from country, and then they make their music tropical rather than you know come from tropical music and then yeah uh, well and um, you know bob marley and, and bob marley got played on that classic rock stage i was talking about um but yeah like the 40th anniversary of his death was just like last week so bob marley's been dead my entire life right and at some right. point that you know that you just kind of lose touch i mean i haven't lost touch with bob marley but uh you know i grew up in arkansas like there wasn't a lot of reggae going on you know <laughs> right 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 yeah okay Let's see your favorite cocktail, and we touched on this um, that it used to be nothing but tequila and Sprite was your cocktail, but now you've switched around. So what? But but what's the the answer to favorite cocktail? The answer is and always will be Hornitos and Sprite. Hornitos and Sprite. We should put that in the song. If we're getting fancy, we're going to go with Casa Amigos and Sprite, but. Casa. Casa Amigos. Mm. Yes. Now, have you tried Addictivo? I have not had Addictivo. I, I think you probably have not had it because you wouldn't. You would definitely not put Sprite with it if you had it. Gotcha. But I can't find it down here. They have it in Chicago, 
and they had it in California, but I haven't found it anywhere in Texas or in Florida yet. But I'm still searching. Addictivo. Addictivo. You gotta have it. Uh, so I, I think uh, I think I'm on my actual birthday, like when we do it on my whole birthday all day long. Um, I think it's gonna be a tequila and sprite day, even though even though I'm in the presence of the girls. It's I will my find birthday, some Addictivo. So. I shall find some. Yes, right. I will. You got three all right. Weeks. Um, Let's next question is favorite Buffett album. This I always love hard. it whenever you have both of those questions, favorite Buffett song and then favorite Buffett album, uh, because they're entirely different questions. You they, know, they are, um, and and almost never the song that you mentioned is on the album that you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, A one A, like everybody's going to have that up there in their top two or three. Um, this is totally left field here. I am probably going to go with, uh, oh my God, I've just, I blanked on the name of it. It, it came out in 2002. Um, it was supposed to come out in 2001 with Buffett riding a camel. And after 9-11, they pushed it back and changed the album cover. Oh my God. Uh, I, I have to go to the Wikipedia. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I could sing you the, the, some of the songs off of it. It's, it's the one that See, has... I don't know. Um, I'm not the album expert. I'm the wrong guy to ask. Tonight, I just need my guitar and, uh, you know, Far Side of the World. That's the way we go. travel to the far side of the world. Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite Buffett album, and it's a fairly new one. I mean, I guess it's 20 years old now, but, you know, yeah. uh, I think it's really deep. Um that's just to tell you something really about deep. someone's career. It's fairly new, twenty years old. Yeah, yeah, but it's a it's a really really deep album. Like, but it also has my so it's my favorite album, but it has my uh, least favorite Jimmy Buffett song of all time on there too. <laughs> um, see, isn't that the way it thinks? What if the hokey pokey really is? Yes, I mean now. See, I love that song. Yeah, I, mm -mm. I, that, that makes it makes me laugh every time. It's it's like like what my favorite um, uh, Lyle Lovett song is Penguins. It's not <laughs> if I had a boat, you know. I, I didn't know such a song existed. I'm going to go look it up now. So. Oh yeah, you got to have it. You got to have it. <laughs> All right. So this brings us to the the uh, diff, most difficult part of the show, and. Uh, that's going to be your Mount Rushmore. Now, you asked this question of, of all the Trop Rock 101 people. And uh, what we're looking for is the, the Mount, what, who is your Mount Rushmore of Trop Rock? And we're not talking about Buffett. We're talking about the independent artists. Who are the four? Um, I guess it, it's the, you can interpret it any way you want to. But if they're on the Mount Rushmore, they were very important in Trop Rock. Who are those four people? So the the first one's going to blow everybody's mind, uh, and that is uh, Jerry Diaz. Um, what? Yeah, um, I don't understand. He didn't do anything. I'm extremely I'm extremely biased in this, but I, I truly believe that. Of uh, I'm surprised you didn't pick him for the first two. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I really believe that, uh, with the exception of Jimmy Buffett, he is more important to this community and the genre than anybody else. Um, and, and it's a two-sided thing there. You, you have the, the songwriting and musicianship band leader part of it, um, which would get him pretty high up there. But then you throw in the fact that he started meeting the minds. He runs to this day, you know, one of the two or three most successful events in the community yeah. and that he's 
trained me and Danielle to. And then hear, he's meant he's mentored so many other artists yeah, as well. Yeah, you know, um, I think all that just you know means he's got to be number one um, for mine certainly. But but he's you know as I've asked this question, he's been on ninety percent of them. Um, yeah. So uh, number two, y'all call him Sonny Jim. I call him James White. Um, you're very particular about the way people are referred to. <laughs> You can only call me this if you've known me this long, and you can. <laughs> we we should address that before we get to the end. So when we're done with this, let's talk about that. Um, before complete strangers come up to me after hearing this, and probably something they shouldn't. Uh, so Sonny Jim, um, you know, I mean, the man can write, the man can play, the man can lead a band, the man can entertain. Um, he's been doing it just as long as anybody has. Um, Despite being the nicest guy in trap rock, save maybe Jerry. Yeah, uh, I mean, he got to hang out with Jimmy Buffett like back in the day. He's he's in Jimmy Buffett's autobiography, you know. So um, yeah, yeah, James is the full package, the real deal, and like you said, one of the nicest human beings uh, you'll find anywhere. And works his butt off. And works his butt off, you know. So and uh, also he's he's followed the uh, well I guess him and Jerry are kind of the, the founders of this principle that you've picked up and that is have an awesome wife or awesome significant other who is even smarter than you are so right yeah <laughs> it's it's a, that's a pretty much necessity and work your butt off you know you put yeah. those two things together it's it's you got success for sure mm-hmm. uh, number three it's a. Uh, it's not a individual person. It's going to be that crazy tiki face on the boat drunks t-shirts. Um, <laughs> Cause spot number three is the boat drunks on my Mount Rushmore. Um, I've said this a gazillion times and I, I believe it that they are just criminally underrated, even though they have four or five band of the year awards. I still think they're criminally underrated and underappreciated. So, you know, and I, you know, I think where some of that comes from is because they do so many corporate uh, cover band situation shows yeah. that they get lumped into that category rather than based on their actual writing and, and the great albums they have. And I think they get lumped into that just cover band kind of a category and it happens over and over again. I think that's... Yeah, I think that's part of it, but also I think that the fact that there's not one of them, you know, it's not Mike Miller and or Jake Tater and I think that hurts yeah. him a little bit too, you know. Um, right, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's and no I mean, clear-cut they, boss, you know. Right, so. true. I mean, I think that now that Jake is is not with them, it's it's becoming more and more Mike Miller and the Boat Drunks, but they don't build them that. But I, but people refer to him a lot that way. Yeah. Know? But not as same as Jimmy and the Parrots or, you know. Right. And uh, number four, so I've thought about this a lot, and, and uh, I've actually had people ask me this as, as I've uh, off camera. They've been like, hey, like, is Donnie Brewer eligible to be on Mount Rushmore because he's not been around that long? Right. And right. I've, uh, I've decided that after you won the fourth Entertainer of the Year, you've been around seven or eight years now, that you are eligible <laughs> for Mount Rushmore. So, uh, yeah, you're number four on my Mount Rushmore um, because, well, obviously, four Entertainer of the Year trophies, that, that's enough right there, right, in a row. Um, in a row. But I think, you I'm know, a- what you did and what Erdman has done, um, you know, Dan and Chris, Kitty and Mel, and, and there's some other people in there. I always go to, to y'all's names, but um, I think y'all made life harder on 
Jerry and Sonny Jim and Brent Burns and the boat drunks because I think y'all y'all all came in. You were a little bit younger. You had you know a ton of talent, a ton of work ethic, uh, a ton of skill, and you brought some intensity to to trop rock to the trop rock community. It was kind of if I I don't want to. It sounds rude to say it, but it's it was kind of comfortable and lazy in its way it was being done. Yeah, you know, and, no, we're gonna say lazy. We're gonna say laid back. You know, it was laid a little. Back. It was, yeah, it that's, a little that's too what I was laid back. To say. You know, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I think y'all all came in here, but especially you. I mean, you know, you raised the bar on everything, on the songwriting, on the production, on the stage show, and yeah. uh, and you know, everybody uh, everybody has had to scramble to catch up with with you and, and a lot of these newer artists and uh. You know, I think I think, you know, people have done well over the years, but I, I think what you brought to the community and the genre in 16, 17, 18, you know, was a uh, was sorely needed. And and, uh, you know, it's helped everybody like Tom and Michelle Baker say a rising tide floats all boats. So there you go. Uh, well, I'm very honored and I want to be on the end where, you know, because that's my good side. If I could be on the right hand side yeah all right so so now the the mount rushmore always gets the plus one now explain what the plus one is on the mount rushmore because you always like to surprise artists and they all know about it so it never works but yeah um so the plus one is always somebody who is off stage they're not a musician they're not a songwriter they're not a performer um somebody who works in the community but they don't perform um and you don't so, get to choose John Burns, so what I don't are you going to gonna do? I never let anybody choose me, but uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Mark Friedman. Um, and I thought about saying Tom and Michelle Becker based solely on starting Margarita Mafia, TRMA, ignoring right. their musical contributions. Um, but I decided, you know, uh, like I didn't put Jim Morris on the musician part because as much as I you know, all due respect to Jim Morris, for whatever reason, he didn't like, you know, hammer me personally. Right. Everybody else I put on there, uh, it's Mount Mount Rushmore. Um, well, and that's a lot of that is the F- Florida and and Texas are kind of have two different, you know, histories of trop rock. Really. Right. Exactly. So I'm going to go with Mark Friedman because, um, you know, he uh, TRMA was on the verge of going away three or four years ago, and he. Uh, I'm going to say that, that for a while there, he pretty much single-handedly saved it. Um, yeah. And the only reason the Trop Rock Music Association works, really, I should say, the only reason the award show works is because Mark Friedman is the only person who doesn't have skin in the game. He doesn't right. write songs. He doesn't perform. He doesn't make CDs. He doesn't put on events, host house right. concerts, nothing. You know. And who else could you say that about that's, that does, that, you know, right. contributes to the community? It's hard. Right, so I'm going to go Mark Friedman as my uh, plus one, um, with honorable mention to Tom and Michelle Becker, just based on the fact they started TRMA. So, awesome, great choice. Uh, I'm going to see him on. Well, oh, sorry, when this airs, I saw him last week. We had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, there was something I was like, I was like, we missed, and I was going to talk about it. And I thought, damn it, I forgot. I can't remember what it was now. Uh, uh... we were talking about. When all the Mount Rushmore stuff. I, you said I, we're going to have to get back to it. Oh no! You had you had Jerry and then you had Sonny Jim. Jim. And... Maybe it was the Jim Morris thing. I think it was the Jim Morris thing. Yeah, that I didn't put Jim Morris on there. Uh, 
which you know a ton of people have and, and the man certainly deserves it he just never hit me right super hard personally you know and that's a that's a, i'm gonna get on it can i get on a a, a podium a for rant. a moment yeah go ahead we, and rant okay it's your damn show um so a thing that irks me is when people say that guy sucks or that girl sucks, they don't actually suck. They just don't turn you on. They don't vibe, you know? Right. Like, yeah. That we've, we've become a, a, a community of humans who everything either sucks or it's great. There's no in between. Yeah. <laughs> but somebody can not turn you on, but still be good at what they do, you know? Right. So, uh, well, and it's, and, the, and it's it's usually more clear cut when you're talking about their actual musicianship or can they sing in tune or those kind of things. But when you talk about what kind of a songwriter they are or, or what kind of songs they present or what kind of, you know, how they perform those kind of songs, then, then it's a big gray area. Either it turns you on or it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, there are some people who are musicians and performers in our community who actually do suck. But yeah. the fact that somebody plays country music. Right. That mean they suck just because you don't like country music, you know? So. Exactly, exactly, and and that's a continual battle in 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 the whole trap rock genre because there's it's trap rock purists and trap rock, you know, inclusive inclusivers and in, in, right. all inclusive people, um, because both both arguments are are valid. Like that's too country; it's not trap rock. Well, if you're focused on the lyrics, it's perfectly trap rock, or that is, um, you know, we need to include these people because they're part of our community. Well, yeah, but they don't have any drop rock music. Well, then let's make them a part of swim community or parts and poets community. Right. And so that's and why I, you guys exist. I've always said, you know, uh, there's two definitions to drop rock. There's the musical definition that TRMA uses. Right. And then there's like the community definition. Like, you know. Exactly. Eric Erdman. Yeah, I've pushed um, a couple of times uh, in the TRMA uh, to the TRMA board to have a community award because I think that's a, a once you have that description, trop rock and then trop rock community. Now you're talking about well, this could be an artist that doesn't play trop rock, but they're at all of our events, uh, or this could be. Uh, uh, like you said, a plus one on the Mount Rushmore. This could be a person that just supports the community um, in a huge way, and that way you're open for that award to be could be a fan award, could be a musician award, could be whatever you're trying to um, promote or, or or not promote um, to to reward for their efforts, you know, uh, in the community. So I, I I see no argument against this, but yeah. we still don't have it. Come on, so. let's do it. I know what it was, what we were forgetting. Ah. There was a question that you left off. Oh. What was that, wasn't on my list. No, I, I told it to you earlier, and I cannot think. Oh, what was it? No. You asked me song. You asked me album. Song, beach, movie. Oh, oh, favorite song by an independent trap rock artist. I asked you that one, did I? No, you asked me Buffett's song. Oh. I, I had this... So I had this thought today, and I just want to throw it out there. And, and I, I could save it for your episode of Trap Rock 101, but I just want to get it out of my head now. Um, rum and something. It This occurred to me today, okay? That today. Rum, and, rum and something, it's like half Hollow Man and half the original 
unbastardized version of Margaritaville. Wow. It, and that's honestly, that's how I see the song. So yeah. to hear you say that and not to hear someone say that, but to hear you say that is yeah. freaking golden, man. That, right. Wow. Driving down that, the beach today, this is what comes into my head because I heard Hollow Man and then somehow I went to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I can tell you that, um, uh, that, when writing that song with with uh barefoot reggie you know it was it was one of those songs that just kind of flowed like we're just telling the story and that's the hollow man part of it it's just like this is a real story and then the musical side of it is definitely like how margaritaville can i make this without being margaritaville but having it be true to to uh the style that that we know and love so it dude for for you to say that is gigantic that's huge i I just it just hit me because you know if you've heard erdman go on his rant about how margaritaville has been bastardized like right from the original studio version like if you go back and actually listen to it and then you you think about like the live the live version and then all the party versions we've all done and it's like Oh exactly. God! It's it's really it, kind of a it's, sad. It's a song. sad song. Well, I do. That's why I do it as a blues song. I think it's perfect. I mean, the like like yeah. on my on my front porch swing playing my six string. I mean, that's a blues song. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> he's a sad guy. He's he's not a happy man in this song. No. So uh, <laughs> anyway, a, a quick rundown of my favorite songs by independent trap rock artists. Uh, it starts with uh, Roman Pitscola by Jerry Diaz. Um, I, I, I see a theme building here. Yeah, living living in a postcard, Donnie Brewer. Uh, I can't see the ocean from here by Bob Carwin. Oh, nicely done. That's a that's a deep cut that I think I, I've told Bob. I think he needs to recut it sometime, you know, because I, I think it's a really great song. What else? Everybody goes with Hollow Man from the Boat Drunks, and uh, I mean like. Outside of Florida, it's probably the most popular song in the history of the trap rock genre. Yeah. You know, from the independent side. But there's a boat drunk song that Jake wrote ca- called uh, Hypo Christian or Hippo Christian that is just hilarious and it cracks me up. <laughs> um, there's some. I get, the, I get that way with the Jim Morris songs. It's like I discover a new Jim Morris song like every month and I go, why didn't I know that song? I love that song. Well, I'll never listen to it again, but it was a funny thing. Yeah, the guy you know? had like 20 freaking records, man. Like, uh, and he cranked them out. So, yeah. yeah, it's like, uh, tell me your favorite Brent Burns song. Wow, there's 100,000 of them. So I don't know how to tell yeah, you that. Exactly. He's, got a lot of, he's got a lot of cuts that he doesn't do live, so you just don't know the tune. You know, mm-hmm. it's just not in, in, in your brain. You had to have the album. Yep. So, uh, and coast. That's why they call them album cuts. Yeah, coast. Coast. Yeah. So, God, there's so many good songs. It's it's impossible. There are one day, and and of course, time's working against the time, and many things work against it. I wish we could find somebody with enough pull to like make take twelve songs, one song per artist from like twelve different chop rock artists, and just walk up to Jimmy Buffett and go, "Here's your next record." Make right, the, make right. the damn thing like you know, just make, like <laughs> make, like we're all we've been making this record for a long time now. Would you go ahead and record it, please? Yeah, just just yeah. go cut this record, man. Come on, so. it's it, and I you know what a, what's always been interesting. And I'm getting off topic here, but something that's always been interesting to me is that there's certain artists in, in and out of our little community that 
like they're known for these two songs or this one song or whatever, but they have so many great songs. Why aren't they known for these, these songs? And then there's a lot of people that have, wow, I know all of their songs, but none of them really well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, and and I, I've always kind of wondered what category I'm in because to me, I know all of my songs. So, it, you know, it doesn't, but I see people singing the song, so I'm not sure which category I fall in there. Yeah. Because you know? it's like it's like Boat Drunks, it's Hollow Man and Duval Street, and, you know, you might know a third, you know. Yeah. But um, Until you go but, to the Midwest, and then everybody knows all of them, you know. Right. And then, but like, for, for, for James, you know, like, I know every one of his songs, but I can't sing all of them. I can't sing them all the way through. I can sing the hook line and then I don't, the, there's too many other words. I don't know what they are, but like hollow man, you know, every word all the way through. Oh, yeah. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's a weird, it's, uh, I've always just kind of wondered if people are just watermeloning, watermelon, 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 yeah. watermelon through the, through my lyrics and just, and then they get to rumming something and then they know that part. <laughs> but, uh, another great song that is really, really underrated, uh, is, uh, Jim Asbell, seven mile bridge. Yes. Yes. You, you, Doc, Rockers, Doc Rockers, y'all could rip on that song, man. Oh. Y'all could rip on that. Well, and you know, and at some point I have to do, I have to take a, a note from the Boat Drunks and do a cover album at some point and just yeah. cover all of our friends, you know. Yeah. Um, Mark did that, Mark Morellis, but mm-hmm. I, need to, I need to do that at some point. And, I, and I've been kind of quietly picking songs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you Rum and Pensacola is probably on that list. Yeah, but um, I I think that would be fun. I I don't I don't know if I want to do them with the artist or or just because I think that's weird. It's like, oh, here's your song. I've improved it. Now, can you come sing it? You know, <laughs> it's like considering really the fact that, that the Bone Drunks already version. did that. Yeah, you know, I I think not. I kind of want to just do my version of it and just change it up. You know. Yeah, I think so. And you know, I think it would be fun. Um, I mean, I think somebody should do this for Jim Morris first. Is there should be just a straight tribute album made to Jim Morris, like, yeah, you know, um, or, approved by you know surviving family. Yeah, members. approved by Sharon. I mean, and I think at some point there should be done one, one done for uh, James and the one done for Jerry. You know, um, right, right, yeah, um, yeah. Preferably, you know, fairly soon, so those two gentlemen could enjoy seeing their friends yeah. and make a tribute album to him. You know. Um, Right. That's that's never been done, and I mean, there's never even been one like. Really, the first one should be like a Buffett, like, you know, like we do Buffett. There, right. That's how we get Buffett to do us. We take here. We do him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so those are records. Those are records that I think need to get made. Um, you know, by somebody at some point. So. Well, and they they have to be done with care. It's so easy to end up just covering someone's song instead of remaking it like if you don't remake it there's no point in doing it unless it was just really recorded poorly you have to actually remake the the song get a new view on it you know but don't Uh, lose the soul of it i'm going to agree with that on most stuff but like hollow man i don't think you really want to fuck with hollow man you know (laughs) yeah well i mean it's the kind of thing where you can make drastic enough changes that don't affect the vocal and the melody and the lyric, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, y- you can like, like I wouldn't pull harmonica out of that song. You know, it, right. it has to have the harmonica or it's not that song, you know, Right. but, 
you know, there's a million different things that could be done with with the way the the rest of the music is recorded. You know, yeah. Um, especially if you had say, what if you had a you know, female vocal sing it? You know, it would change it entirely. Oh, know? that would be really cool. Very oh. cool. We better cut that part out so people don't steal that idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's on tape now. It's yeah, on, it's, it's, so. We have proof. All right. So, so I think we're about time to wrap this up. Yeah. I don't know if we're at three hours yet, but we're, um, we're off in the weeds. I don't, <laughs> we are off in the weeds. We're in the weeds, weeds. So yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. Uh, I appreciate well, it. It has been a pleasure, um, hosting this show for you. And, um, I think the only way it would have been better is if you asked yourself a bunch of questions, like in a <laughs> Scooby-Doo voice or something. That would have been. Oh, well, thank and, you very I, much. And, uh, you know, thank you for what you do. Honestly, thank you for what you do on behalf of not just musicians, but, uh, you know, fans. I'm a fan of, the, of this community and all the, the things that we are able to accomplish and the music that we create. And it's, it's largely due to guys like you that, that can do and that will do. There's a lot of people that can do what you do, but won't, you know, and um, yeah, that it, we appreciate that. It's really not hard to do 95% of what I do. It's just lots of manual labor and, you know. Well, and, and a lot of times, it's, no it's just, especially when you get to the cat herding section of it, it's you have to be an asshole and you have to be enough friends with those musicians that they know you're not being an <laughs> asshole you're you're getting stuff done you know? yeah the so okay so last story and then we're getting off here uh this you know past <laughs> year in key west when when i i uh received the musician of the year trophy um yeah the next day mary diaz is just ripping me and daniela new one I came back there backstage and y'all were just r- bossing everybody around and breaking up conversations and just being mean to everybody back there and mary goes on this rant for four or five minutes and finally i said mary you see that trophy right there she goes yeah i said the people i was bossing around and being mean to gave me that trophy for being mean to them and boss them around <laughs> and then you went and drank champagne out of it yeah it didn't work out that way so anyway all right well, you should just add that to the story just yeah. add something new to your stories each time so they become more ridiculous uh, all right my friend thank it you was sir a pleasure all right